It's been said that it's impossible to hate someone whose story you know. That's why stories matter, because they show us that we have more in common than we realize. My name is Bindu Lokray, co-founder of Consciously Unbiased, and I'm your host for this special Break the Bias podcast miniseries that is all about sharing and listening to each other's stories. I feel like over the years, I've been able to find my voice a little bit more. And I love that for me um, because it's very hard, especially being a woman and then a woman of color. I think that typically, you know, your parents don't mean any harm. They're trying to protect you, but it's kind of like stay in your bubble, try not to stand out too much. Like you don't want to cause any unwarranted or unwanted attention on you. So it's like a means of survival. And now I'm getting to the point where it's just like, but I don't agree with certain things and like somebody has to take a stance or like just because it used to be acceptable to do things this way doesn't mean that it is anymore. So coming into my power a little bit more and finding my voice has definitely been a reoccurring theme for me lately. In this episode, we're excited to share a conversation I had with Deja McDaniel, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Talent Acquisition Advisor at Activision Blizzard, one of the world's most successful standalone interactive entertainment and gaming corporations, delighting hundreds of millions of monthly active users with games like Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, Tony Hawk, Candy Crush, and more. She shares her story, how her soft-spoken start in life as a self-described introvert evolved into finding her voice through her passion for DEI and advocating for a sense of belonging. Tune in to hear her valuable insights on dealing with nerves surrounding public speaking, embarking on difficult conversations, and her unique approach to a respectful, empathetic, and inclusive workplace. Let's dive in. Deja, we are going to start by taking you back to your teenage self. And I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Okay. Risk taker or play it safe? I was the play it safe person. Hmm. Homebody or partier? Homebody. Goes with the play it safe theme. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Lover or fighter? Um, I would say a lover, but I would, you know, lover to the point where very passionate and stood up for things when um, I wouldn't say fighting, but would stand up for things that I felt needed a just cause or had a just cause. So okay, okay. my passion for that person or thing, then I would take stance. <laughs> yeah. Appropriate fighter, right? Yeah. Appropriate. <laughs> um, introvert or extrovert? We're still talking high school, though. Yeah. It would be introvert still, I think. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can't wait to get into how that switched for you and what made you get to that transition. I I feel like there's different levels of being an introvert. So I think I was more not as far along on the extra getting closer to the extrovert side. I was very more so more in my bubble. Mm-hmm. Okay, so based on all the questions that you said, what was important to you growing up and how is that similar or different to who you are today? Oh, wow. I think I was very safe growing up and very quiet. And I think over the years, I've evolved a little bit more to, like I said, I would take a stance on things when I was very passionate about it, but I would kind of bite my tongue and 
to you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like over the years, I've been able to find my voice a little bit more. And I love that for me um, because it's very hard, especially being a woman and then a woman of color. I think that typically, you know, your parents don't mean any harm. They're trying to protect you, but it's kind of like stay in your bubble, try not to stand out too much. Like you don't want to cause any unwarranted or unwanted attention on you. So it's like a means of survival. And now I'm getting to the point where it's just like, but I don't agree with certain things. And like somebody has to take a stance or like just because it used to be acceptable to do things this way doesn't mean that it is anymore. So coming into my power a little bit more and finding my voice has definitely been a reoccurring theme for me lately. Yeah. So when you were younger and you felt like you kind of wanted to stay under the radar, Mm -hmm. do you feel like there was something about yourself that you used to hide and now you're really comfortable about sharing? I don't know if it would be more so high, just like don't want to bring any attention on myself. Like even when they say good press, bad press, it's all good press. It's like, uh, I don't want I'd rather just not be noticed and coming to terms with it's okay to be noticed. It's just a matter of what do you want to be noticed for? I think there's real evolution in that over time for me, not necessarily hiding certain things, but getting to a point where it's just like, well, I don't want to be silenced or blend in with the crowd, especially if I have something worth contributing and worth saying. I want to make sure that you can't take a stance if you're just quiet. Yeah. Um, what do you think was kind of that that transition point for you to to start showcasing a little bit more of yourself? Like, did that come from yourself or did that come from your parents? I think it came from a mixture of things. When I was younger, my parents were in the middle of a custody battle and it got to the point where I was old enough to decide who I wanted to stay with and live with. And I was like the kumbaya peacemaker. And I'm like, but I love you both. Um, And it got to the point where I would say certain things, but, you know, bigger personalities trump smaller ones. So they kind of don't hear you. And so kind of having to learn my voice started in that scenario where it's just like okay society or like what I've been taught is like you're not supposed to speak up or talk back to your parents and then I had to learn like well I can still voice my opinion but in a respectful way to my parents and get my point across but it's not something that happens overnight like it, it took some practice and it still takes practice every now and then and showing myself grace like You don't have to bite your tongue and be quiet just to please other people. And I started seeing it show up in family first and then translate into other areas of my life where it was just like, okay, I'm keeping them happy, but at my expense to where I'm not happy. So how do I communicate that and then learn that boundary, establish that boundary, set that boundary and not feel bad for being like, but this is what I need right now. And this is what I want. Yeah. Out of all of you, who had the, who had the biggest personality? My parents both have very big personalities. (laughs) (laughs) I am the oldest of my siblings. So um, it's a big age gap. Like my next sibling came eight years later And then my next sibling came 15 years later and then the next one, 18 years later. Wow. Yeah. So my my little kids, I 
feel like, you know, usually people are like, oh, I can bounce ideas with my siblings off of one another. And it was just me out in the cold. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay, so it's no surprise that our core values are fundamental to who we are. But some change over time and shape us into who we are today. And the challenge becomes when our value system is triggered. And that can sometimes happen in the form of microaggressions. Can you tell us about when the first time was that you ever experienced a microaggression? I feel like microaggressions for a lot of people of color and women at that, but mainly people of color start at a very young age. So I remember times where like being followed around in stores or, you know, being in the car with my uncles and us getting pulled over and them asking like, whose car did you steal when it was their car? And like things like that, like different forms of like racism and microaggressions or even like in school where I might have been one of very few Black people and, you know, I got teased for that or like, you know, you don't talk a certain way. I've dealt with microaggressions within my family of like, you know, you're not raised like us. You're not, you don't dress like us. You don't talk like us. So I feel like there's a lot of times where it has come up in my life from my upbringing, even to corporate America when post-graduating with my undergrad, going into my first job out of college from dealing with microaggressions because I looked young and them thinking like, oh, we can talk to you any type of way because you're young and naive. And it's like, I might look young and I might be young, but I'm not naive too because of the the things that I've endured in my life have, you know, in certain ways have, um, matured me so that I can be prepared for certain situations and scenarios like that. But even in that job, it's like from trying to be silenced because you're a woman or silenced because you're too young or silenced because you're a person of color, it really impacts how you go about your career trajectory and your journey and just the different ways that you move in your life. I mean, you said it, right? There are a lot of microaggressions that women face, women entrepreneurs face in the workplace, and particularly women of color. What's the biggest or most useful tool that you have to share with other women of color who are experiencing microaggressions in the workplace? I would say you don't have to do it alone. Like it's hard, but if you get a good support system and people that you can trust, it really helps when you can divvy the weight and not carry that burden alone by yourself and just have people to advocate for you and mentor you or show you the ropes. I think another thing that us women of color face is like second guessing ourselves or like how we say certain things because we don't want it to come off a certain way. But then also being like, I stand firm in what I say, but I don't want to come off as bitchy or like I stand firm in what I say, but this sounds too playful. Like I'm not serious than what I mean, but I mean what I say when I say it. So really having to evolve yourself in that way and be comfortable in who you are and what you bring to the table. But it also doesn't hurt to have mentors or people that you can reach out to to be like, hey, just doing like before I send this, how are you perceiving this? Like, 
it's not my tone. However, does it sound a little too harsh or like, can I be a little firmer until you can understand that balance for yourself? Yeah. And I mean, you talked a little bit about how you, your voice, like your ability to use your voice has changed from when you were younger to your, you know, your professional adult self. And I'm sure it evolves and changes within different workplaces and styles. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about what sharing your voice looks like for you today in your current role? Sharing my voice looks like, you know, if I don't agree with something, saying something about it, instead of just being like, oh, somebody else will say something about this or like, I don't need to say it if they didn't catch it their title, they've had more years of experience, things like that. Like, that's not something that goes through my mind anymore. Now I'm very much so in a place that I'm like, you deserve to be in the room and you're in the room for a reason. Everybody processes things differently based off of their experiences and whether it be their upbringing or the things that they've endured, the things that they've gone gone through, what they've witnessed. So your outlook is different and what you can bring to the table and can contribute looks different to you. And if we're so narrow focused on just us, we're not seeing the plethora of audiences of people that we can actually reach that Mm. don't have the same experiences as us. So it doesn't have to be a disagreement. It can be a conversation like, hey, I processed this like this. Is that your intent? Did you think about dot, 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 X, Y, Z, maybe there's another way that we can approach this to be more inclusive and all encompassing of everybody? Or like, what do we really want to get out of this? And is there a better way for us to approach it? I think that's such great advice because because the thing is, is that it, it is difficult. I, I find that it's difficult for women, especially women of color, to use their voice in those environments. Mm-hmm. And what you just stated is how we can respect differences in opinions, but we can respectfully disagree in a true form of conversation. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a debate. It doesn't have to be me saying like, oh, this is stupid. Like, no, respect everybody's opinions. But sometimes, and I think that goes too with my role in being in diversity and inclusion, of trying to introduce a new perspective so that you can see a way that's bigger than your own or that's greater than something that you thought existed and was out there because it doesn't necessarily pertain to you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so Deja, tell us about a time in your career when you got out of your comfort zone and what was the benefit for you? I feel like this right now is me out of my comfort zone. Really? Uh, It is. So I made it a goal this year, like an actual goal to confront public speaking and doing different things. (laughs) So like I'm very much so I consider myself an extroverted introvert. So I'm very good at one-on-one conversations, but when it comes to like speaking on a broader platform or podcast or like just to a group of an audience of people, I like would get very anxious and be like, oh my gosh, did I put deodorant on today? Like I'm sweating. Is anybody else feeling this? (laughs) It was just really bad. And so I'm like, okay, the only way for me to get over this is to just run into the fire. So I have been consciously working with a career coach on speaking opportunities and telling my team and like 
different people around me in the company, like, hey, it is my goal to do this. So if you have any speaking opportunities where I can speak on a panel or do something else, I'm really trying to confront this fear because I don't want it to win me. Like, I don't want it to win. I want to win at the end of the day. And so, um, yeah, it's been a very interesting year. Like, the first half, very anxious, like, oh my gosh, what did I sign myself up for? I can't believe I'm doing this. And now I'm just like, okay, I, I can do this. Like, I feel much calmer, not as anxious before, during, or after. And it's kind of nice to see, like, your hard work actually coming into fruition and being like, wow, I actually noticed a difference. Like, I'm not, I, I know I did put on deodorant this morning, yeah. like, not sweating um and even like from like shaking when I would talk or like the shakiness in my voice yeah. and I'm like I'm I'm very calm now and um I'm happy I'm on the other side <laughs> that's so great I mean I think it's all part of the evolution of how you use your voice too mm-hmm. right and I figured this was something that I was going to need like just for me personally to feel like, okay, I'm not going to let this thing get one over on me. And it's just like, no, I need to take back my power. And so that's what I've been doing. And it has been a great journey and I'm proud of it. And I am proud of the opportunities that have come my way. And it's been good. That's great. That's great. So there's a lot of backlash and polarization in the DEIB space, as you know. Yes. But at the end of the day, most of us just have the same goals, which are deeper connections and healthier relationships. At Consciously Unbiased, we believe that a big way to break the bias is to listen to others' stories. What are some ways that you break the bias in your career? Yeah, some ways to break the bias is to be more open and being receptive to hearing other people's stories. So like, even what I was touching on earlier, You don't necessarily have to agree with everything, but I think respect plays a huge part in just everything. Like we can agree to disagree, but just because your opinion is different than mine doesn't make your opinion any less real, in my opinion, any less real or true. Like they're true to us. And it's just a matter of like, I respect your opinion and I hear where you're coming from. However, that might not apply to me. And, you know, that's okay, but how can we coexist? And I think that in this role in general, or just like inclusion in general is you don't have to agree with everything, but you should still be respectful of other people because that is a person and like you wouldn't want to be treated that way. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Do you have any examples of how that was demonstrated during your career? I think with tools like I mean right now we're using consciously unbiased to have our host our own um, unconscious bias and hiring workshop just to make people more informed of like different biases that might be out there in the hiring process from the way you write to your resume to the way you read a resume to the way that you write your job description just to be all encompassing of the things that are out there that might prevent other people from not feeling like they're wanted and included 
It's about really making people aware. So like holding workshops or trainings or creating different guides. Um, I'm not going to say there's a time in particular where it was like, oh, there was this big blowout. But I do think that being able to provide people with the tools and resources so that they can be more aware of any actions that they may have before it does turn into a big blowout. You might not have been like, oh, why am I so passionate about this? Or like, why am I so hesitant about stepping into something like this? And my job really deals with, you know, bringing that to the forefront of like, well, you might not understand, but here are some resources that can help you along where you are in your particular journey. Yeah. And I really do feel like that when you start peeling the layers of the onion, and people start really humanizing each individual that is in the workplace, there's just more ability to connect. Yeah. And to help. It helps with the collaboration, the impact. And like I say, like, regardless if it's at work or somewhere else, if you feel comfortable and secure and like psychologically safe where you are, you're going to thrive. You're going to be more open, more willing to share ideas, more willing to collaborate because you don't feel like, you know, I have to have these guards on or like my bulletproof vest because I don't know what I'm going to walk into. (laughs) So like you're coming in with your guard down, which helps with collaboration because if I'm going into a meeting strapped to fight, we're probably not going to get anywhere because I have my guard up the entire time that you're like, okay, I can't really get anything through to her right now because she's not in a space where she's receptive to hearing me out. Yeah. I mean, life lesson, because it's, it's outside of the boardroom too. You know, I feel like in, in my family, I, I learn that every day as well with how I approach my kids or Mm -hmm. my husband. It's, it's lessons that are for relationships, period of how you, how you work together. And it's crazy too, like to see how different things translate in different areas of your life. So like when I'm talking to my coach and I'm like, oh, I want to, let's say like I was talking about finding my voice. I want to do better with finding my voice than establishing boundaries. And then I felt like every single test in every other area of my life. And I'm like, oh, wow, it's not just that work. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. What's the best thing about having a coach? I love it. I love it so much. Um, My particular coach provides me with different resources that will help me really hone in on whatever skill that I'm looking to develop or learn. I know there's very different styles of coaching. Um, So let's say with me trying to help with speaking, um, she was working with me on like your podcast that help you give you tools and tricks on like what works for some people. Granted, take it with a grain of salt. What might work for one person might not work for another. But then I'll, she'll give me podcasts or articles to read or like here are some exercises you can do ahead of time to prep for it or like in the beginning, we would talk about like, what's the topic of whatever it is you're going to be talking on? Is it a panel? Is it a podcast? Like, what is the talk about? If I don't know, it's like, okay, let's work through this together. What do you want the takeaway to be? And like somebody coaching you through every step of the process and then going over questions, like what if somebody asked you this? How do you want to communicate that? Or, oh, I think it would be more effective or efficient if you were to answer it like this. It doesn't mean that you have to do it that way, but like, have you considered if you do this, it gives more, it's more impactful to the audience versus 
sounding like you're talking in a circle. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, was I talking in a circle? I didn't think with that. And she's like, no, that wasn't clear. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so smart. So helpful. Yeah, no, it's 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 one of those things where it's just like, if you can do it, like your company might offer it. Like it doesn't hurt to ask or look into, but it's definitely helped me in my time and my journey. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, I have one last question for you. If you had a pause button on life or a rewind button, which would you choose? Um, I think I would choose the pause button. I feel like I am in a good space right now and life moves so fast. Like I can't believe we're already basically done with this year. And I'm like, wasn't it just New Year's? But like really to sit and like reflect on all that I've been able to accomplish in this year and just take it in a little bit more instead of, you know, I think oftentimes we have this checklist of like, okay, this is off my checklist. Now I have to go to the next thing. And like to really be present in the moment, I would pause that versus rewinding. I wouldn't change anything because it wouldn't get me to where I am now. And I wouldn't want to be tempted to want to change anything because I don't know what the right now would look like, ends up looking like. <laughs> the right now is pretty good. So it's pretty good. Fix so something that's we're just going to pause it and like <laughs> capture time. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Deja. This was wonderful. It was great to have a conversation with you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Break the Bias. To learn more about our special guest and to get show notes, please visit consciouslyunbiased.com backslash podcasts. Consciously Unbiased also offers interactive, unique DEIB learning experiences that you can check out on our website, consciouslyunbiased.com. And if you liked the show, please share with a friend and subscribe and rate Break the Bias on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.